Okay, so we're now gonna launch into um, actually quite a quite an interesting series of classes, um, which in a certain way are, are, are really important because we're gonna talk about um, the background and also like the meat and potatoes of the daily davenings. So today we're gonna discuss um, the basis for davening, what is the obligation, how do you fulfill it, but then as the weeks go by, we're actually gonna get into um, so what is each part of davening? What's it meant to be doing? What's the meaning or like the, the halachic? Meaning we're not going to get into the, you know, this is not a, a mystical class about like the mysticism behind davening. We're getting into the halachics of davening. And it's really interesting. Like, and you're going to notice certain things that um, are done in some communities or not done in other communities. And you're going to see how it's kind of based in halacha, different opinions and different customs that, that flowed from there. So in a certain way, until now, we've dealt with a lot of how-to. So where you should stand and how a shul should be and how it should be constructed and, and all that stuff. Now we're going to get into the actual davening, the words that we say and the significance of them. And it's going to be an interesting discussion, very practical, obviously. So, uh, you know, excited for that. I'm going to so, propose davening and because you said you didn't Oh, okay. Okay, so what we're going to do um, tonight is we're going to ask, we're going to basically address three questions in the beginning. Number one is um, the idea of davening. What status does that have? Is it a Torah obligation or is it a rabbana, a rabbinic obligation? Number saying, two is... You're saying prayer services or to pray? Um, so that's, we're going to see that there's, that, that's where we're going to get into. Okay. So... But on the face value, davening the way we know it. Davening the way we know it is a rabbinic or, or, or midiraisa um, obligated by the Torah. Um, number two is how do you do it? How do you actually daven to fulfill that obligation? And number three, who is obligated in this mitzvah? Is it men and women? Is it only men? So we know that one of the rules about um, uh, whether women are obligated in a mitzvah or not, uh, what's the famous rule? Time bound. Time bound. So any time-bound mitzvah, women are not obligated in. Um, if it's not time-bound, the women are obligated in. Um, obviously, any negative mitzvah, uh, women are obligated in. So don't kill, don't steal. Obviously, women are obligated in, just like men. Uh, in positive mitzvahs, which are time-bound, that's where there's a difference. So the question is, by davening, are we going to say that women are not obligated because there's a time-bound, the specific times to daven or not? And we're going to see that as the um, conversation kind of rolls out. So what we're going to see is there's a major debate here between the Rambam and the Ramban, so Maimonides and Nachmanides, about this whole discussion. And the Rambam, in the beginning of um, the laws of, of davening in his uh, Mishnah Torah, he kind of gives the whole background to how the davening used to look, uh, right? So in the, in the advertisement for the Shir, we spoke about um, was the minion factories in the desert, um, did, did Moshe daven the way we did? And these are legitimate questions. You know, what did it look like back then? So the Rambam actually kind of lays it out for us. 
how this whole experience of davening um, kind of came to be. So let's take a look. Um, number one in our source sheets. It's a little bit long, but uh, we're going to see a lot of different points, so let's kind of keep, keep focused. So, Irvin, go for it. It is a positive Torah commandment to pray every day, as it states, you shall serve God your Lord. Tradition teaches us that this service is prayer, as Deuteronomy states, and serve him with all your heart. And our sages said, which is the service of the heart? This is prayer. Okay. The number of prayers is not prescribed in the Torah, nor does it prescribe a specific formula for prayer. Also, according to Torah law, there are no fixed times for prayers. So there's no specific way to do it. There's no number of, t of prayers. There's no fixed times. But there is an obligation to pray. What does that look like? Let's see. Therefore, women and slaves are obligated to pray since it is not a time-oriented commandment. Aha. Okay. okay. Rather, this commandment obligates each person to offer supplication and prayer every day and utter praises of, of the Holy One, blessed be he. Then petition for all his needs with requests and supplications. And finally, give praise and thanks to God for the goodness that he has bestowed upon him, each one according to his own ability. So we're seeing basically three things that need to be involved in prayer according to the biblical obligation of prayer, according to the Rambam. Number one is? Offer supplication. Supplication in prayer and other praises. Okay? So let's, let's, uh, uh, let's, um, cut, uh, let's, let's narrow this down to, to uttering praises, Tasha. Okay? That's number one. Number two, petition our needs. Yeah. Um, and it's what we call, and then supplication is what we call haidah, like admitting or, or um, thanking Hashem for what he gives us. So we have three things. We have thanking Hashem. So I think that the idea of... Um, what are supplications or requests? The same thing, I think. What, supplication? Yeah. I was about to look it up. What's the definition of supplication? Yeah, I think you know. Ask up, no? Well, there you go. So we're seeing three things. There's offering supplication. Um, so yeah, supplication requests are similar. Right. Then there's Essential. uttering praises. Right. And then there's giving thanks. And petitioning for your needs. Also. That's that's request also. So. Yeah. Requesting needs with request by, via request and supplication. Right. Okay. So according to the Rambam, your your to fulfill your biblical obligation, you need to have these three things: praise. Uh, asking, uh, asking our needs and thanking Hashem. There's no specific way to do it. There's no specific language. Just do it in your own way. And women are obligated to this as well. Okay. So if you want to know what happened in Moshe's times, take a look at the next line. This was the ongoing practice from the time of Moshe Rabbeinu until Ezra. Wow. So basically, the entire Jewish people until the second temple did not daven the way we daven. Wild. Okay. They had either Mishkan or the base of Mikdash right. for yeah. doing the things. Yeah. But, but think about it. A Jew who lived in somewhere far out. Oh, yeah. Right. He wasn't near the base of Mikdash. Yeah. But he wasn't davening either. He was just doing this. 
Okay. When Israel was exiled in the time of the wicked Nebuchadnezzar, they became interspersed in Persia and Greece and other nations. Children were born to them in these foreign countries, and those children's language, language was confused. So basically, they, it seems that people's, the, the, the language, just the way to speak was confused. Everyone was kind of speaking a different language because they were very dispersed. He also decreed that the number of... So, so uh, sorry, I, I, I obviously didn't include this, um, but basically what happened was that Ezra and his court decided that since everyone's way of saying things are different, we're gonna want, we want to make one uniform way of praying, and they gave the Amida. Okay. That's before the Anshay Knesset did the whole thing? That was, a, that was a separate... So this is Ezra and his court. Okay. Yeah. Uh, they also decreed that the number of prayers correspond to the number of sacrifices... That is, two prayers every day corresponding to the two daily sacrifices. When Ezra's quarters saw this, they established 18 blessings. So that's obviously out of, out of order, that, yeah. that belonged earlier. But, so what do we see Ezra and his court did? They saw the language confused. They wanted to make one uniform thing. They made 18 blessings. They're saying the language, when they say language, they're not talking about the language is the country they're in, but the language is being used for prayer. Well, it's both. Because prayer didn't have to be done in Hebrew, right. people could pray however they wanted. Right. So everyone was praying using different languages, and it was just a balagan. Right. So they wanted to make one uniform thing. So that was the Amida, the 18 blessings of the Amida. And then also, they said that this davening should be corresponding to the sacrifices which had been lost when the Beis HaMikdash was destroyed. Right. This is Shachris and Mincha, corresponding to the Tomet Shel Shachar, the morning, bless, the morning offering, Tomet Shel Ben Abayim, the afternoon uh, offering. Now, Myriv um, is what we call Rishus. Myriv is, is not technically an obligation. It's kind of uh, up to a person if he wants to keep it or not. Now, at this point in history, we have taken, the Jewish people have taken on Mairev as equal to Shachas and Mincha. But technically, Mairev corresponds to the limbs which were left from the day, which hadn't been consumed on the, on the Mizbeach. They were consumed at night. Now, sometimes they were, sometimes they weren't. So therefore, it, it is something which is not an obligation. It's something which is just a, um, a rishus, something that a person can do. Um, so that's the basis according to the Rambam. So according to the Rambam, let's answer some questions. According to the Rambam, is the obligation to daven biblical or rabbinic? Biblical. biblical. According to the Rambam, the way we daven today, is the language that you use today biblical or rabbinic? The language rabbinic. Or rabbinic. rabbinic. According to the Rambam, do women have an obligation to daven? Yes. Yes. What's their obligation? Just to daven, say some pray, words. Pray these three things. Exactly. But the whole Amida and the whole davening is just a um, rabbinic. Addition, okay. So it's biblical. Addition? Yeah, meaning the, the 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 sages said this is the way we should daven. Okay. But technically, you can fulfill your biblical obligation right. um, in you know just keeping it simple. Okay. Now the Ramban has a different opinion. Ramban feels that no, davening is not a biblical obligation. Davening is a rabbinic obligation. There's no biblical obligation to to, to pray. Hashem gave us this avenue. It's not an obligation. It's something we can do. And the Chachamim came along and said that this is how you should do it. Davening in this way, which is the Hamidah. Now, they also said that women, um, since even though usually mitzvahs which are time-bound, um, women are not obligated in. And according to the Ramban, the sages set up davening, Shacharis, Mincha, and Mairiv. 
So according to their, the way they set it up, it is time bound, right? Because they set it up in the beginning as having specific times, not like the Rambam, right? According to the Rambam, it's not time bound. It's any time during the day. According to the Ramban, it is time bound because it's Shachris Minchemayev. That was how it was set up. There's no biblical obligation. There's a rabbinic obligation, which was set up with Shachris Minchemayev. So, nevertheless, even though it's time bound, and technically that should mean that women are not obligated, nevertheless, um, the sages said that since Tefillah, Davani, is about asking for mercy, asking for our needs to be met, and even women need their needs to be met, therefore, women are obligated in Davani as well. And therefore, women are obligated to daven twice a day. Shachar Semincha. So not like the Rambam who said that women are obligated, but it's a small thing, just say a small prayer and you're good. According to the Ramban, women are obligated. What are they obligated in? The full Amida, just like men are. So basically, we kind of have uh, what we call a Kula and a Chumra in both sides. The Ramban is going to say the obligation is not biblical, but women are obligated in the full thing. The Rambam is going to say the obligation is biblical, and women are not obligated in the full thing. Only in the, you know, the, the small, just small prayer suffices. So this is kind of an interesting uh, uh, background to this. So how do we, how do we paskin? Is there any bypasses today like the Rambam? Um, so, so no, so we find that uh, in, the, in the Shulchan Aruch, um, the Shulchan Aruch brings both opinions and says that the halacha follows the Ramban. Uh, but that would mean that women are obligated in davening, just like men, which is something I don't think people realize. Now, there is something to, to be aware of, and that is that even women, don't, are, 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 they are uh, exempt from the mitzvah of davening if they are in the middle of doing a different mitzvah. What's that mitzvah? Raising children. So if women are busy running a house and raising children, whatever, their obligation to daven is they're exempt from davening. So that's why, I think that's why it's become commonplace that women aren't just don't daven the way men do, just because that's the way women's lives te- te- end up being. They're running a house, they have kids, and therefore at that, during those years, they are exempt from davening. But technically, after that time, they're obligated just like men to, to daven at least shachas uh, and um, mincha, which is definitely something to be aware of. And uh, the Chafetz Chaim, um, his son, noted that uh, when he grew up, his mother didn't really daven. Um, and she told her son that the Chavetz Chaim had told her um, at the beginning of their marriage that you are exempt from davening because of having children. So it's, it has a source. We, the, the yeah. So actually, there's a, there's, a, there's a letter of the Rebbe that a lady wrote to the Rebbe that she has always davened throughout her life but she's getting older and she's feeling weaker, so she wants to basically stop davening. And the Rebbe said to her, no, like if women are obligated in davening, you should keep it up. If you need to take breaks, if you need to eat something in between, that's fine, but you shouldn't. You should keep it up because it's a mitzvah on women just like men. And especially said the Rebbe that until, until this point, you've, you have been keeping it up, so you should definitely uh, keep it up uh, going forward. So definitely an interesting thing to keep in mind that women's um, obligation is, is very similar to men's. Now the, now, the biblical obligation, according to the Rambam, um, which says that there is a biblical obligation, so we do 
keep that in mind as well. And therefore, Reb Shlomo Zalman Arbach um, said that when women say Moedani in the morning, that is kind of two things. So you're saying Moedani, you're saying you're admitting to Hashem, you're saying you're, you're thanking Hashem for giving your life back. And you're also saying you're praising Hashem. So you're doing two out of them. So the third one, which is asking for your needs, a woman should do. In her own way, in her own language, a woman should take a moment during the day to ask for her needs. So Modani covers those two, but she should take a moment during the day to ask for her needs, and that covers the third one, which is kind of interesting and, and something to keep in mind as well. Um, okay, good. So now that is um, the, the discussion about um, the obligation of davening, Teraisa, Terabonon, Biblical, Rabbinic, all that stuff. Now we're going to get into the actual davening itself. And we're going to talk about the Bircha Sashachar, the blessings in the morning. We're talking about um, the, the early brachas that we make. So some examples are... Hanosin Lasech Vibina, Pokei Achibrim, Matir Asurim, all these things. Shalos Anisha. For us men. And uh, we're going to discuss kind of um, when they should be said... Uh, who should say them, etc. So if you look at the Gemara, the Gemara says like this. When a person hears the rooster crow, he says, When he opens his eyes, he says, When he gets up from bed, he says, Right? Because each of these blessings refer to a different action. That's how the Gemara says it. Now, there's a big debate amongst the halachic authorities. Does the Gemara mean it literally? that this is what you should do at these points? Or does it mean that these are the brachas that we're making on these things that happen? So let's say the rooster crows in the morning and the rooster knows to differentiate between night and day. So we're making a bracha, thanking Hashem for the rooster. But not necessarily is it meant to be happening then and not necessarily is it meant to be happening to a person who hears the rooster. It's just that we're thanking Hashem for these things that exist. This is, the, this is the main discussion here. Are we, is a person meant to be making these brachas as the day goes along or as his morning goes along? Or are, we just, are they just general brachas that we're making thanking, thanking Hashem? So we're, we're talking about the morning blessings. And um, the morning blessings of Hanos and Nesach Vibina, uh, you know, who gives the, the, the roost the, the ability to discern between day and night, Pakeh Achibrim, who well, gives the ones we don't do here that the Ashkenazim do. Oh. No, they do it in different orders. But also, they say it out loud. They, in the, in oh, you know, you start Okay, so now we're going to actually get into this discussion exactly. Doing it in shul, doing it at home. So the Rambam says like this. The Rambam says something very interesting. He says that the Gemara's um, original language makes it sound like you do each bracha connected to the action that you're doing. If you're not doing the action, what are you making a bracha about? So basically, only somebody who actually hears a rooster crow says, Only somebody who actually slept and woke up says, Only somebody who slept on a bed and is waking up says, Only somebody who has to put on his shoes in the morning, he didn't sleep with his shoes on, says, So the Rambam says each blessing corresponds to a different action. You didn't do the action, you don't say the blessing. The Rambam says, and we're going to take a look at this now, that there are those who have this custom to say the blessings in shul. All the blessings. Rambam says, that's wrong. That's incorrect. The blessings are attributed to a certain action. 
You didn't do the action, you don't say the blessing. So according to the Rambam, you're going to be doing different things every day. If you miss your rooster alarm clock, you don't say Nasa Nasa Let's take a look inside, number two. David, go for it. Save our voice for tomorrow. Mm-hmm. How do you save my voice for tomorrow morning? Rosh Kodesh. Yeah. And usually they ask me to do the. Uh, oh, you go to the restaurant? Do you have a condo? Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I'll go from there. Okay. The custom of the people in the majority of the cities to recite these blessings one after another in the synagogue, whether or not they are truly obliged in them. This is a mistake. And it's not proper to follow this practice. One should not recite a blessing unless he is obligated. Okay, fantastic. That is the opinion of the Rambam. But here again, the Ramban argues. The Ramban says the nature of these blessings is not the way the Rambam describes it. It's not thanking Hashem for a specific thing that Hashem gave us. Hashem gave us a rooster which crowed, so we're thanking Hashem for the rooster. Hashem opened our eyes in the morning, so we're thanking Hashem for that. These are blessings of praise. We're blessing Hashem and we're saying thank you for giving us a rooster which grows in the morning and for giving us light and for giving us all the things we have. Irrelevant of whether it applies to you today. The nature of these blessings is something different. Not only that, they're not even blessings of praise, they're even more than that. Because usually blessings of praise are things that that happen um, at a certain time, at least. So they're not just blessings of praise, they're actually blessings... um, which we say consecutively every single day, thank Hashem for these specific things. So whether you got it or not that day, doesn't matter. So everyone should say the blessings, and they can be said together in shul, they should be said together in shul. It's part of the davening routine, thanking Hashem for what He he gives us. So everyone should do it, and you can do it in shul. Now, the Rosh, Rabbeinu Usher, he has a third opinion, and he divides between the morning blessings into two categories. Some of these are specifically meant to be thanking Hashem for something that He gives us. So, for example, Shalosadi Kartarki is thanking Hashem for giving us our needs. We say that when we put on our clothes and our shoes. So, when you're putting on your shoes in the morning, you say Shalosadi Kartarki. It's something which is relating to you personally. Hanoisin Lasech Vibina about a rooster is not you, there's roosters out there. So those blessings, everybody can say, because they're not really about the person, they're about the world. So we're thanking Hashem for making roosters. But the personal blessings, which is when you put on your hat in the morning, that is something subjective. So only if you're doing that action that today, are you going to say that blessing. So he divides within the morning blessings things that have specifically to do with the individual and things that have to do with the world at large. So Roika Ha'aretz Alamayim, which is talking about how Hashem created a sky and an and earth, is, is, is happening in the world. So that's going to be something you're going to say regardless because it's not you, it's, it's the world. So these are the three opinions. Um, and the question obviously is, which one do we follow? Um, should we say them in Shul? According to Rambam, you shouldn't say them in Shul. According to Rambam and the Rosh, you could say, according to Rosh, some of them should be said in Shul. According to Ramban, all of them should be said in Shul. So this is the big debate. So let's take a look at number three, where the Alter Rebbe quotes these three opinions, and we're going to see um, how we should follow. 
one did not become obligated to recite one of the morning blessings, that is, he did not hear a rooster crow. Uh, some hold that one should not recite a blessing for which he has not become obligated. Okay, who holds this? Uh, Ramban. Ramban. Others maintain that all the blessings that were instituted in appreciation of the renewal of the natural order and its functioning, that is, the blessings praising God for giving the rooster the understanding to crow. Nevertheless, those blessings that involve one's individual benefits, that is, for example, uh, the blessing praising God for clothing the naked should not be recited if their obligation is not incurred. Whose opinion is this? That would be wrong. The? Rush. Rush says that there's a difference between the blessings, uh, some of them are subjective and some of them are just about the world at large, and the ones which are about the world at large, it doesn't matter. Anybody can, can say them. Okay. Yet other authorities maintain that even if one did not at all become obligated to recite one of these blessings, one should recite them all in order because these blessings were not instituted appreciation for one's individual pleasure alone. Rather, we bless the Holy One, blessed be He, who created whatever the world needs. Even if a particular individual does not derive a certain benefit, others do. This is the common practice, and no one should deviate from it. Right. Okay. So that's the Ramban. So here we have these three opinions, and the Ramban and Alter Rebbe Paskin's lock. The Ramban. That what? Everybody says. Everybody says them. Why? Because the nature of these blessings are blessings of praise. Where should you say them? Probably. Probably in Shul. So how do we paskin? So the Alter Rebbe says that actually one should say the blessings as he does them. Say that again. One should say the blessings as he does the action attributed to them. So you hear the rooster crow, you say the blessing there. Now, that doesn't mean that if you miss the rooster's crow, you're not going to say it. You are going to say it. But as much as you can, you apply the blessing to the action or the, the thing that it's attributed to. But if it doesn't, doesn't get attributed the whole day, then you're not going to say it. No, so you will. So let's say the, the, the rooster, you miss the rooster, you're still going to say the blessing when you wake up. You went to sleep with your shoes on, you're still going to say Shasani Katsarki. But as much as you can, you attribute the, the, the blessing to the thing that you're doing. So you try to you time the saying of it with the action? Yeah, technically. Now, but the problem is the Alter Rebbe says that a lot of these things are meant to be said right as you wake up, right? So you wake up and you hear the rooster, say, You open your eyes, say, Problem is, is that you have not washed your hands yet. And you're not allowed to make a blessing with hands that are impure. So if the Alter Rebbe says the custom has been to say all the blessings in shul together. So now you understand where this custom to say everything in shul is. It stems from the fact that even though technically we would like to say them in bed, we, our hands are not clean up many times and therefore um, we, we do it all in shul. Okay. Um, also, the Alter Rebbe writes that not everybody knows how to say the blessings. So therefore, to say it in the moment, uh, right as you wake up, not everybody knows those blessings and which ones to say, so therefore we do it all in shul. Everyone says it amen after the chazan, and that way everyone's, everyone's doing it. Now, Rabban doesn't say it that way. Oh, one second. He's leading up to that. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
Now, these days, the Mishnah Brewer writes that the Chazan says it out loud. Um, and everyone gets a turn, in some shuls you actually have this, everyone gets a turn to say different blessings. Um, and everyone says Amen after that. What's the reason for that? So apparently there is an, uh, an obligation to say Amen 90 times in the day. Didn't know this? That's, so a person is meant to say 100 brachas every day. Right. But apparently there's an obligation to say 90 Amens. Oh, Never heard of this before. Saying Amen does not count as the bra- saying a bracha. It does, but it, no, in, in this case not. I don't think so. Yeah. yeah. Um, so this is a, a custom that's recorded that they were saying in shul and would go around and everyone's saying amen. Now, the, it seems that uh, Chabad custom um, became that we say the brachas at home. Why is that? For a very simple reason. That many of us might wake up early in the morning and only daven two hours, three hours later. Let's say you wake up 5 a.m., minion 7.30. See, if you're going to wait till minion to say the blessings, one of the blessings of the morning is no Sein HaTorah, who gave us the Torah. One is not allowed to say words of Torah before he recites that blessing. Big problem if you do. So since we're concerned that a person is going to say words of Torah before he gets to Shul and says the morning blessings, we say the morning blessings at home right away. And that way, you're not going to come into issues saying or learning words of Torah between when you wake up and Davening. Make sense? Couldn't say you, you couldn't even recite Carbonos, could you? Uh, yes, you're right. Yeah. 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 Um, that's a good point. Exactly. Got it. Now, um, now regarding whether one can say the brachas if he didn't specifically benefit from that thing. So let's say again the person who went to sleep with his shoes on, saying Shasaliko Tarki. So the, so the Shulchan Aruch wants to follow the Rambam, who says that you can't. You can only say the blessing which is attributed to something that you actually benefited from. You didn't hear the rooster, you don't say it. Shulchan Aruch wants to go that way. Now, the Beis Yosef, who is the Shulchan Aruch, says that nevertheless, since there are other opinions which say that it's okay even if you didn't benefit from it, say those blessings but without Hashem's name. So say, Baruch Atah, So you're thanking Hashem, blessed are you, you're not saying Hashem's name, because in general the rule is when it comes to brachas, if you're doubtful whether you're obligated in a bracha or not, you just say it without Hashem's name. So that's how he says. But the Ramah, however, says that, like uh, Ramban all the way, that even if you do not benefit from this thing at all, you say all the blessings with Hashem's name. And that's become the custom. Not only has it become the custom for Ashkenazim, it's also become the custom for Sephardim. Um, the Kafachaim, who you may have heard of, the Kafachaim was a rabbi in, I think, um, Georgia, not this Georgia, Georgia, Asia, which had a Sephardic community, um, I think, or Bukhara, maybe with Bukhara. Bukhara yeah. yeah, so he was a rabbi there, and he wrote a very, very famous book of Halacha and Minag along the Sephardi lines. Um, he was Sephardi. So he writes that the Sephardi custom is to, not like the Shulchan Aruch, which says that you don't say Hashem's name if you didn't benefit from that thing. The Sephardi custom is to do say Hashem's name with all the blessings. Why? He says a very interesting thing. Even though the Shulchan Aruch says not to, the custom in Sephardi communities 
was different to what the Shulchan Aruch wrote. And since the custom in the Sephardic community preceded what the Shulchan Aruch wrote, the custom pushes away what the Shulchan Aruch wrote. Very interesting. Kind of like in the rules of, of how Allah works. And if we're in this case, even though the Shulchan Aruch wrote differently, we're going to push away the Shulchan Aruch and we're going to follow the, the Sephardic custom. Now, where did this custom originate from? It originated from the Arizal. The Arizal, who lived in the same time as, as, as the Beis Yosef, as the Shulchan Aruch, writes that the morning blessings have incredible power, have incredible ur, light, that, that comes into the world through, through those blessings, and therefore it's very important to say the blessings with Hashem's name, and that's where it originates from, this custom that even Sephardim say it. And I remember reading a very interesting thing, that a person once said to the Rebbe that he was having, I think, problems with Parnassa. Uh, financial issues and the Rebbe said it's because you're not having proper concentration during the morning blessings and if you work on having proper concentration in the morning blessings um, that issue will become resolved which is you know just brings out the same idea that the morning blessings have something very uh, special about them and, and they're worth um, obviously um, paying special attention to. Um, okay, that is it for tonight. Next week, we're going to get into the specifics of the brachas, why we say each bracha um, and the order of them, why one comes before second. But this is the general outline. Um, we had the argument between the Rambam and the Ramban, whether prayer is deraisa derabonon, Rambam saying it's deraisa, um, Ramban saying derabonon, and then we had this discussion about saying the morning blessings do you say them when you benefit from them? Do you say them in shul? And we basically said, we do say all of them with Hashem's name. We don't, Chabad custom is not to say them in shul because we don't want to say words of Torah before saying that blessing. So therefore we say it at home. But many people do say it in shul um, because we look at the brachas of the morning blessings as blessings of praise and not blessings thanking for a specific thing. Um, okay. Thank you.